What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the AG Sports Podcast. I'm your humble and highly favored host, Amal Garnett, and I'm back here with another episode. And ladies and gentlemen, I have a very special guest here with me today. I'm blessed to have the opportunity to have a one-on-one interview with ESPN national reporter, the one, the only, John Kine. How are you doing, Mr. Kine? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, sir. Okay, kicking off, the first question I want to ask you is on March on March 19th, you wrote an article on how Joe Gibbs' film study and analytics led to Washington Commanders trading for Carson Wentz. How much of a factor do you think the conversation had on Ron Rivera and the team making the decision to trade for Carson Wentz? I think where, where the conversation with Joe Gibbs really, I think, helped shape Rivera was in how the, is in the process of going about finding that quarterback. Because what the one of the things he said that he wanted to really find out from Gibbs is how did you go about it? Not so much what quarterback out there would you take? It's like when you were looking for guys, what attributes were you looking for? What was the pro, how did you go about the process? So that Gibbs would tell him, we would draw up a list and we'd go one by one by one. Go down your list. Just don't try to do it piecemeal. Just go down the list and go. This guy's not there, next guy. This guy's not there, next guy. Kind of like a draft board. So some of this may have been basic. And I know like some of the guys over the, at the, with, with Washington right now, would already, they would already have an idea in mind of who they liked and all that. But it was more just the process of going about it. And I think, you know, Rivera is somebody who likes to pick the brain of older coaches. He used to do that a lot with John Madden. Well, John Madden has died. And so he has struck up a relationship with Joe Gibbs. And I think he taps into that. And this is so really it was about kind of formulating the process and, and following, um, you know, that part of it. And then then it was like, OK, what did you look for in a court? What attributes did you want? So when like Gibbs got to Washington, it was Joe Theismann, great leader, but he inherited him. The next the, the quarterbacks after that were more size oriented. Right. Yes. And and like. um so there was size, there was athleticism, there was, I know Gibbs always looked for smarts and toughness as well. Mm-hmm. So there were, those are some of the things that, that helped shape Rivera's mindset. And again, they already had other things in mind too, or they other, it wasn't like, this is like the only conversation now, now it's like, now, okay, now I know what to do. I mean, they have experienced people in that front office as well. Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew, Rivera, you have Scott Turner, who is an experienced offensive coordinator, Ken Zampezi, an experienced quarterbacks coach. But I think like when you're making a big decision like this, they wanted to incorporate more. And sometimes, like I know some people are gonna think like sometimes they like to go to Gibbs because it does give people comfort to know that Gibbs was involved in helping something here. But it was really a lot of coaches will tap into the knowledge of coaches who have come before them. And I think that's a lot of what he was doing. Yeah. You know, you t- uh, mentioned about how Joe Gibbs, there was a lot of size with his quarterbacks that he chose. And, you know, Carson Wentz is about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, right. He's a big guy. He's right. a really big guy. And you look at Doug Williams, he was a really big guy too. Right. So I noticed Ron Rivera looked at what Joe Gibbs did. And he, I don't want to say molded, but he definitely looked at how he had size. And he looked at Carson Wentz with size, somebody that could see over the line. You know, looking at Taylor Heineke, he was only about six foot. You know, he was kind of short and, you know, he would struggle sometime in the pocket and would not be able to move as well. So that's one of the sides I feel like played a big part into Carson Wentz coming oh, to Washington. Yes, yeah, it definitely. And like to, along those lines, they didn't want to just look at size because one of the first quarterback, the quarterback they tried to trade for was Russell Wilson. Yeah, well, he's not a big quarterback, but he knows how to move in the pocket and create yeah. openings. 
Because it's the one thing Rivera told me, you can't just look at size because if you do, you're cutting off a Russell Wilson, a Drew Brees. They're rare with their pocket movement and the ability to create those passing lanes for themselves with their eyes. And like, you know, so that's something that not many shorter quarterbacks can do. But with a guy like Wentz in the short game, like the quick game, the slants, the shallow crossers, to have that ability to see right away where it's at um, and not have to like, like there were a couple times I think they felt like Heineke might hesitate a little bit yeah, because you didn't see it quite there, or maybe you don't see this. Um, and so I think that's what they're hoping helps them with Wentz in that size. Yes, definitely. And on the next, on to the next question, how do you feel personally about the Carson Wentz trait? Well, I think he's an upgrade. Definitely. Um, so I think he's an upgrade and in Indianapolis, the lineage is Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers, and then Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. That's a tough lineage for him to follow if you're not going to play better. Um, then I think there were some other issues that the owner had with him. I think it was as much that as it was anything else. Um, you know, you talk to people, some other people associated with the team or who have, who have clients with the team. I think they weren't like wowed by him as a quarterback, but it's like, he's okay. You know, he's okay. I think if he can be middle of the pack, if he's a 15th, 16th best quarterback in the NFL, that's a big upgrade in Washington. So I like, I like that part of it. Um, I think there's definitely some concerns with, there are questions about him. You don't get traded twice in, in, in within a year like that, if there aren't. And can you overcome those? Are you going to be able to withstand, um, you know, in Philly, there are always questions about, when Jalen Hurts got there, that it, and I, in some ways, I don't blame him. I don't understand why Philly did that. And I like Jalen Hurts, but I don't yeah. understand why they draft the guy there because when you draft the guy in the second round, you're not just bringing him in to be a backup. You're just not. And so that didn't sit well with him. You'd like him to respond differently and go out, you know, um, Aaron Rodgers, they, they draft Jordan Love. Well, Aaron Rodgers gets pissed, but he goes out and becomes the NFL MVP. He has an NFL MVP type season. That's how you, you know, right. So (laughs) that's like, there's a difference, but I also like, I talked to somebody in the league about this and they're like, you know, you're human. Like most guys get like this. He's like, look at how Joe Montana reacted to Steve Young being there. He didn't like it. You know, there's all, there's a lot of examples of it, but Montana still produced, right? So you can still produce and have that. So I think that's something that is curious to see. He does make some head scratching plays, but I think, any court, like any quarterback you're going to bring in is going to make some play, you know, by and large is going to have some flaws and red flags or concerns. And I think Wentz is no different. I love the arm. I love that he can go to, I love that they, he'll be able to use the entire field. I think he's going to help. I think he'll be helped here by having Terry McLaurin better than anybody he had in Indy and might be one of his best receivers. I know, I mean, he played with a couple of good receivers in Philly, but it's going to be one of the best receivers he's had. I think if, if they can add another receiver or if Curtis Samuel is healthy, De'Ami Brown develops, I think it'll be a good setup for him here, Logan Thomas. Um, so I think there's some pieces here that I think could help help him be a little bit more productive in some areas down the field. And yeah. so I like that they can use that area a little bit more. Um, you know, I, you know, like I said, I think he's got a lot to prove. I do like, I do think he's a, I, I think, for what they were looking at this offseason, I don't think it was a bad choice for them. Not you know, at all. They gave up 
a little bit more than you'd like, but that's usually the case. Um, and if it doesn't, I, I, it's not going to be a one and done here. I just, I would be shocked by that. Um, cause it, you know, I think you're not, the owner here has his own issues, but Ursay is a guy who once he gets his mind made up on a quarterback, that's it. And, yeah. um, so, so I, but I, I, overall, I liked it, but I don't think, is he the guy for the next five years? I can't say that. Yeah. But if he does, if he does, last thing on this, if he does work, now you got a quarterback for the next, for three years at a, for a quarterback contract is really good. Really good. Yeah. So I think like that's part of the equation here, because if you had got, if they'd gone out and gotten Garoppolo, you may have, you may have had to pay him 35 million in a year from now. I don't know that I want to pay him 35 million, you know? And so I think there's, I think that's one area where Wentz, if he hits, and I think, I think, like I said, I think he'll be at least, he's a, he's a solid upgrade here. And I think he makes them a better team right now. Yes, definitely. With the Wentz trade, I look at it as you go from Taylor Heineke, who's an above average backup, who's a really good backup, who he came in and won seven games, you know, Throughout the COVID, we had COVID issues where he was out a couple of games and Terlonicky came and he made those plays. He made plays, but he just wasn't that starter you were looking for. I feel like with Carson Wentz, you're coming and he's coming into a situation where, like you said, where he has Terry McLaurin, who's Terry McLaurin, who's arguably the best receiver he's played with throughout his whole career. And then you could potentially have a Curtis Samuel coming back a speed guy who's going to be good. Then you have Logan Thomas at tight end. Then you have Antonio Gibson. Considering the fact that he did have Jonathan Taylor last year, Antonio Gibson and Jonathan Taylor, you still you still have, you know, a very great running back behind you. But still, like, I feel like Carson Wentz has a chance to prove himself this year. And if it goes well, he has a chance to prove himself for the next two years after that. Correct. So I feel like the Carson Wentz trade is a good trade. I feel like it brings Washington to the 10 and 11 10 and 11 win season. Definitely. Definitely. Carson Wentz was definitely going to be able to give Washington an extra three, four wins this coming season, considering the fact that our schedule is much weaker than it was last year. Yeah. I think, I think, listen, I think one of the things that this team needs to do to Ron Rivera's talked about, like all the other stuff that comes with coaching here and the, the outside noise that comes in. The only way to change perception is to win. Yeah. They haven't won in a while. And it's not just winning nine games this year or 10. It's a couple years in a row of 10 wins. I think with Wentz, they have the ability to do that. Yes. I know there were games last year. He didn't play well for the Colts. I also know the Colts don't have great receivers. Um, And I know like in that last game against Jacksonville, he didn't play well. The line didn't play well. The receivers weren't getting all that open. So it wasn't just him, but he did not play well. That's okay. But I think he, I agree with you. I think he puts him in that, you know, that, 10 win category right now. And then it's then from there, because of schedule, how does Chase Young do? How does, what else do they add on defense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think they do put themselves in a better spot um, at quarterback. Definitely. So moving on to the next question, how important do you think year three is for Ron Rivera coming off two seven win season? This should be the year the commanders make that jump to double digit wins to where the commander should be a playoff contender. So what do you think can happen if the commanders make that jump? Well, I, first of all, it is a big year for him. And the first one who would not acknowledge that is him. And um, so he knows that he has talked about year three a lot this off season, that this is the you know, year three is when you take that jump. 
And I had um, Joe Banner, who is a former NFL team president. I had him on my podcast a few weeks ago. And we talked about team building. One of the things was like, you know, looking at Jacksonville, for example, and what they're spending this offseason. Like he didn't like that. He goes, you're going to get a bump. They're going to be better in in year one with Peterson than they were last year. And for a lot of reasons, but they're going to be better. But he said the way, but it's hard to sustain it like that because you get to year three and now some of those guys you're paying aren't going to be here. And are you, have you developed a young base? So if you're like, and his point is if you're doing it right in years one and two, year three is when it pays off. So this is a key year for Rivera. He knows it. And I think to me, like getting Carson Wentz adds to that belief that you got to win to me, you have to, they need to win 10 games if you're really going in the right direction. Now, he's not going to get fired if they don't, but you have to get there if you're going in the right direction. And, and I think, like I said, I, th- I think that I don't think there's any reason why they can't um, other than we've seen weird stuff happen here over the years. And it hasn't always worked out the way people hope or want. That's where, but I look, when I look at the team and I look what they've done, I think, yeah, I can see that. So, but that's what they got to do. They got to get to that level. Yeah, definitely. And you look on uh, social media, you see Washington fans, you know, saying this is the year for Ron Rivera to prove himself to us, you know, to get us to that playoff contender team. And then you have other fans that are calling for his head already, telling us saying they want him to get fired, which I feel like is not a good look. You know, Ron Rivera has came and he's consumed the whole franchise with a lot going on, to say the least. And you look at how he's handled it and how he has brought in, you know, Jason Wright, the president, you know, he's with the name change, with everything going on, he's bringing in players. Even though he's bringing in a lot of Panthers players and a lot of Panthers coaches, he's still bringing in a lot of people to come in and help build this team up. So I do see that Washington makes that big jump in year three and gets to the 10-plus wins. And I don't see if, – if that doesn't happen, I don't see Ron Rivera getting fired, like you said, too. No, no. I don't I, see that happening I, at all. I think, I'll, I think if they, you know – I, for that to happen, they'd have to have a disastrous year and nothing, nothing points to that. You have to separate what's going on with other topics versus what they're doing on the field. Because one looks like this, it doesn't mean the football side looks like that. So, you know, when, so when you just look at the football side, they were a seven win team last year with a tougher schedule with, they had all sorts of injuries and they had the COVID issues in December. They had that four game winning streak. They looked really good. And I think that's a lot of what they can become. And so, so yeah, I agree with you. Like, I don't see this disastrous fall. You'd have to have a lot, a lot of injuries to get there. And I just don't see, you know, you can't predict injuries, but that's what it would take. So if he's, if they go seven and 10 again, that's bad. But I think what it does is it puts them on the hot seat for the following year, unless he just wants to get out and says, I can't do it. You're mm-hmm. just tired of it, whatever. But short of that, I would think it would put him on the hot seat for year four more than anything. Yeah. And uh, moving on to the next question at Ohio State's Provey, it's been pictures and videos of Ron Rivera making a beeline to talk to Chris Olave, you know, the receiver for uh, Ohio yeah. State. Also, news today that Washington has a visit scheduled with him coming in the future, I believe Thursday or Friday. Yeah. What do you think the commanders will do with that 11 pick in the draft? I think they might go receiver and Olave is a possibility. That's a definite possibility, but then it depends who else is there. You know, does how many quarterbacks do any quarterbacks go in the top 10? If they Mm -hmm. do, 
who falls because somebody's going to fall. How many pass rushers go top 10? It's possible that three go top 10, right? You know, um, and maybe even another one. So it might, you're going to have three or four pass rushers, um, two or three offensive tackles, probably three, but at least two. You're going to have possibly a corner, Sauce Gardner. Would Kyle Hamilton go? Everybody expected him to go top 10. I think he's a top 10 player, but does he go top 10? Because when you look at how these teams match up, like Atlanta and the Jets probably take a receiver, you know, which, so that's probably Wilson and London. So it is possible that Olave at 11 is a definite possibility. And then also like if, if a Hamilton fell and I don't, like I said, I have no clue if that's going to happen. I think he'd be way too talented to fall in the top 10, but if he is, that's a guy, right? That's your guy. Yeah. And I think, I think then it's like, is there an offensive tackle that maybe falls to them? Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily need a tackle, but if they want to get, if they want to continue to bolster their offensive line, they do need a right guard. Well, maybe that right guard is on your roster at right tackle right now in Sam Cosby. So that you could take a tackle, depending who it is, if it's the right guy, shove Cosby inside. Now you got your line. So mm-hmm. I don't know that they would do that, but I do think that's like you have, I think that there is a, there's a possibility that a good tackle will be there as well. So you look at like who, where's the value at that pick it's receiver, um, some defensive backs and then, and then offensive line. Yes. And moving on to the next question is very questioning for me. Cause I've been seeing a lot of rumors about this and a lot of stories and people saying these different things. It is a lot of speculation going on that if Washington drafts a receiver, this means that potentially Terry McLaurin's long-term deal doesn't get done or they believe they can draft somebody that is better than Terry McLaurin, which I think will not happen. I feel like in the draft, they're looking for to add another weapon to be beside Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. But what do you think about these speculations that if the Washington drafts the receiver, that Terry McLaurin's deal won't get done because it makes no sense to me. I don't pay attention to them because I know better. So, so that's, <laughs> that's what I think, you know, I know what they think of Terry. And so I don't pay attention to it because they want to get him signed, period. They can draft a receiver. But here's the other thing for people who think that Curtis Samuel is really he signed a two-year, is a three-year deal, but it's really two. So if he doesn't produce this year, he's gone. You know, Deami Brown is, you know, he, he only caught eight passes last year. You don't have that strong number two receiver on your roster. Like, I think Samuel could be a really big help for them if healthy. And But he's he's... He's not like your consistent number two guy. He's a third, but a, but a productive third, right? Because he can move and he can move around for you. He can be a matchup um, headache for, for defenses because of that. I think he is a valuable piece. Deami Brown, I think, can fill a role down the field. I think he can be better, but you need another guy, I think. And if you want to make it work with Carson Wentz, I think you go get another guy. And yeah. this is a very good draft for receivers too, but – you know, now I know like if you say, well, you could say, well, if you don't, if you're not able to sign Terry McLaurin, at least you have your guy, but even, but that's a separate conversation. Then if the, you draft a guy, it means they're not going to sign him. No, that's not the case at all. Yeah. I don't believe that was ever the case at all for me. I no. always believe that that was uh, the draft for receiver at 11 would definitely be a weapon to compliment Terry. It was, I, is, I'm not going to say, I don't think there's no receiver in the draft that is better than Terry McLaurin, but as of right now, they're not in the NFL, and Terry McLaurin has had two 1,000-yard receiving years, and he's proven to himself, he's proven to everybody that he is a number one receiver in the NFL. So I don't see 
anything like that happening. No, and they want to sign him. That people need to take a deep breath with it. That deal, deals like that get done in the spring and yeah. summer going into camp. Just as a reminder, John Allen signed his extension last year on July 27th. Yeah. Just they want to sign him. They're not, he's not being shopped around or anything like that. And, you know, so it's, they want to sign him. Yeah. Those rumors going around to him being shopped around or teams calling even Ron Rivera said that if teams called, they're not picking up at all. They're not answering those calls. They're not entertaining those calls at all. So I just don't, I feel like that's an unrealistic thing for anything, anybody to say, or even for it to be a rumor. When it's I think, and I, and, and I know why, because you got like Tariq Hill being traded, Devontae Adams yeah. being traded, but that's not happening here right now. It's exactly. just, it's a different situation. So, and he's not going to get Tyreek Hill money, right? He's, yes. You know, he's not, you know, and the other, the other hard part for this whole thing is that you have three or four other receivers from that same class, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, who are also up. So that complicates it. But just because fans want it done now doesn't mean it gets done now. And you have exactly one side They, you know, you've got a match and like this side has to say, who's the comp for him? Who, how are we going to pay him like that? And then the other side is going to like, are you going to really sign before all those guys sign? Because if you do, it might, you may be able to get more money down the road. So just because, you know, even if Washington wants to sign him now, McLaurin has to be and his agent have to be ready to sign. But again, late spring, Early in the summer, that's when it, that's when these things tend to get get more serious and get done. Exactly. And you look at these other receivers that have been signed since the offseason has started. You mentioned Tyreek Hill. He signed a four-year, $120 million deal, which basically guarantees him about $30 million a year. I think that's a little bit high for Terry McLaurin. Oh, it's Devont- Devontae Adams, five years, $141 million, about $28 million a year. That's a little bit high, too. Then you look at Christian Kirk. You talk about the Jaguars earlier, how they, you know, how you interviewed somebody and they said they overpaid for, you know, a lot of their players and they didn't like a lot of their signings. Christian Kirk, four years, $72 million. And he hasn't had a 1,000 receiving yard right. career, excuse me, a yard season yet. Right. So you look at those and you look at Terry McLaurin, I feel like he falls in between maybe in between the 18 million a year and about the $23 million a year contract. That's, That's probably what he's going to receive. Yep. 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 That's I would agree with that. And moving on to the next question, let's say hypothetically, you know, Kyle Hamilton falls at 11 and you're looking at Washington taking them in the draft. Do you think Cam Sims will have a bigger role this coming season on the offense? If they go somewhere else other than the receiver there? Yes. Well, first of all, if they don't go receiver there, part of the reason is they know that there's good receivers in the second round too. Yes. So they can still go there and get it. I don't want to say Cam Sims is going to have a bigger role because I hear, you know, that's like last year, I would have thought that because throughout training camp, he was working with the starters and he looked pretty good. And then as we got close to the season, Deami Brown was in there and Cam Simmons was back to being in his old role. So I don't like, they're not paying him like he's going to be, have this increased role, but I do think he's a good fit for what they want to do. And with Carson Wentz here, that size, like they want, they need like the way Scott Turner's route tree and all that, you need to have some bigger receivers. Cam Simmons is a bigger receiver. And I think being paired with a bigger quarterback like that, who has that strong arm, will be a good thing for Cam Sims. So I think he, I, th- I think he'll be more productive, but we have to see what they do in the second round as well, because there are guys there that they would like. Now, having said that, 
I can tell you about 10 guys they would like in the first and second rounds, but you can't take them all. Yeah. So you know, just because they like some receivers there, well, there, there are some other players they like there too, that they might say, well, this guy's higher on their board. So we're going to go there. So, but so just because if they don't take one, the first round doesn't mean a huge role for cam Sims. I think what does help is cam Sims is a bigger receiver and he's got a strong arm quarterback who will attack more down the middle. Yeah, I definitely hear you when you say that. But, you know, you've seen this many a times with Cam Sims. You mentioned, like, last offseason he was working with the starters. And then offseason before that, you look on Washington social media, you see Cam Sims making these amazing catches in training camp. And then as a fan, you say, all right, he's doing this and that, and then it doesn't translate to the season. So it's obviously something that's going on in practice that we don't see as fans, you know. He's getting beat out for certain positions. You would think. Looking from the out, looking at the out, looking from the outside, you would think, oh, Curtis, I mean, Cam Sims needs to come in. He needs to make more plays. He needs to, they need to give him more time. But it's obviously something we are not seasoning. Like you just said, like you just said, they didn't pay him like they wanted him to be a bigger role in the offense. A one year, $3 million deal sounds like they just want to bring you back to have you there for depth. And, and somebody that they value because he also plays special teams and he yes. does a good job there. So there is a value there for him. It's not a minimum, but it is, it's not a big deal to say that, you know, it's not like a three-year deal for $12 million or anything like that, but they do like, I think he's a the guy they love. He's a really good depth for them because he mm -hmm. can do a lot of different things for you. He can, he can run routes from multiple spots. He's a, he's a really good special teams player. He'll block. Um, and he doesn't complain. He's a really good guy to have on your roster. So, but I don't like, I do think he can be more productive. I just don't know if he's going to get a lot more chances, but then we'll have to see what else they do at the position before that. And, and then see how, to be honest, you have to see how De'Ami Brown develops. Yes. Does he develop? If he does, then that's like, you're going to have De'Ami and Terry and Curtis. Well, where does Cam fit into that? Exactly. Still fit in, but where? So, you know, I think there's still, we'll see, but you know, I've always liked him. Yeah, I've like I've always liked Cam Sims too. I've been a big fan, even when he drafted as a even when he was drafted drafted as a rookie. But moving on to the next question, Washington released Matt Ioannidis and let Tim settle let, let Tim settle go in free agency. Considering Tim Settle's contract that he signed with the Bills was only two years, seven million dollars, do you think it would have been more ideal for Washington to lock up Tim Settle and then release Matt Ioannidis so they can have that? third D lineman depth right there because they lost two of their key backups in D lineman. Yes, I do. And I think they knew at some point they're going to release Matt Ioannidis. Yeah. So to me, it's like, if you're waiting to see on some things, I don't think they wanted to approach Tim until they, until they made the release official. Cause I don't think they wanted it. I don't think they wanted it out there that, Hey, they're going to sign Tim because they're releasing Matt Ioannidis before they actually made the move. But if you know you're going to do that, I would have released them a few days earlier and then before the tampering period. And so that way Tim Settle knows, oh, I can go back there and get more play time. I think he would have stayed in that situation. Yeah. Um, so yes, I do think they should have done that. And they, you know, they did had hoped to try and match that offer, but once Settle went there to Buffalo, he wasn't going to do JD McKissick. He was done. He wasn't going to come back. Even if they tried to get him back, he wasn't going to come back. And so, um, so yeah, I think it would have been wise to do that. I think he's going to be very good up there. I always liked what, you know, he always, when he came in, he made an impact. Um, and, you know, I think, I think, I think 
they should have handled that better. Yeah, I also do too. And then moving on to the next question, like you just mentioned, JD McKissick, he walked away from a deal with basically you can say a Super Bowl contending team to come back to the Commanders because he said, and I quote, he has unfinished, unfinished, unfinished business in Washington. Does that prove that players want to play in Washington? You know, Ron Rivera mentioned the narrative. You know, reporters have asked him that, you know, why, you know, why would people want to come play in Washington? He said, why not? So does this change this narrative that and does it prove that Washington can attract a lot of players and a lot of good players? Well, I don't know. I think it proves that J.D. McKissick likes it here Um, to take it. I think it also shows that, like, you know, he did have a chance to leave and he had a chance to go play for a team that could be in the Super Bowl. Um, But I don't know that it proves anything beyond that. Like what I know is players go where they can get the money. We'll start there. Yeah. If you have a choice, like Russell Wilson had a choice. The Seahawks wanted to trade him out of the NFC for, for starters, but he wanted to stay on the West Coast. So, like, he didn't want to go to Philadelphia either. You know what I mean? So, yeah. it wasn't just, like, I think if they only hear that Washington's involved, they hear it's like, oh, my gosh, you're the, nobody wants to come here. Well, I think if you're Russell Wilson, you have a choice, and you can pick somewhere, like, well, Denver hasn't been winning a lot lately, but they have won with Porter, right? They have won. Yeah. And and they are a quick plane ride away from LA where perhaps maybe his wife wants to be closer to. Yeah. So there's a lot of other reasons why they may have done that. He may not have wanted to come back East. I don't know. Um, So I don't know that I'd use him as a guide for proof that nobody wants to come here because, you know, the way fans feel about the owner is not the like play, you know, what players like, they like guys who sign their checks they don't care about a lot of the stuff that people get caught up in as fans. They just don't like when they're looking at another place, they're going to look at money. Then you're going to look at location. And then, then you might start to look at, well, especially certain, like if you're a receiver, who's the quarterback, if you're a quarterback, who are the receivers, who's the offensive coach and all that. But usually in a lot of cases, they talk to themselves into places because like, look at Deshaun Watson. He wasn't going to go to Cleveland. He may have liked their roster. He did not want to play in the cold weather. That's what I had heard from multiple people that, and you know what, you know, what changes mine? 235 million guaranteed dollars. Exactly. You know, so it's, so I, so I think there's, but I will say, and here's the other part of it. Nobody wanted to go to Buffalo for a while and even more so much more so because of where it is. At least Washington is a good locale. Yeah. Nobody want to go there. Guess what? Now they do because they start to win. You know, Cincinnati's a cheap organization and and people now they're going to look at Cincinnati differently because of Joe Burrow. So, you know, it's not it doesn't it takes a good quarterback to turn things around like that, but I I so I I do think it's some, I do think it's noteworthy that McKissick did want to stay. I do. Um but I don't want to extrapolate too much from there. But I don't think it's like this huge, huge issue like people think. I think if you're a top player, you're going to have a choice. And, you, you know, you have a choice between, you know, Washington right now and Tampa Bay or the Rams. Who are you going to choose? Tampa Everybody's going to choose one of those teams. Exactly. It's, I mean, okay. You know, if you have a choice between if, if somebody's choosing between here and, you know, and um, I don't know, Atlanta or, or, or somewhere that's been a Houston, like, 
then you say like, then it comes down to money. Right. Yeah. But I, I, you know, so, but it was, I think it was a good thing for them that he decided to come back and it was, it was something that's like, Oh, okay. That's interesting because you would have been with a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. It is very interesting that he came back and then maybe now that you can look at it like that, he came back and he added to on to another weapon that Carson Wentz would potentially have that can take them potentially to be in a playoff team. So it's very key to look at, but I do agree with what you say. It's not like oh, that chain completely changes the narrative, but a lot of the money, the money does play a big money. part in the role to where people want to go. And you, you sometimes you have to overpay, right? If you're not winning, yeah. you got to overpay. Mm-hmm. But if you build something like it's, you know, all the craziness going on, if, if they win 10, 11 games this year and you still have congressional hearings, players will want to come here. They want to win. Um, but the last thing with McKissick too is Wentz is not a guy who uses check down a lot, right? Mm-hmm. That's been a weakness of his. But what, what McKissick also does very well is pass protect. So if you want to get the ball down the field, you better have a guy and they're going to, teams are going to blitz him because they will, they, they know that like, that's something that they'll do with him. You better have a guy to pick it up and that's McKissick. Yeah. And moving on to the next question, we're going to move to the commander's defense. Last year, they started off very slow. And then after the bye week, they picked it up with the defense with high expectations. Do you think they will bounce back and live up to the hype? Yeah. I, I, well, I think they will be much closer to where people had hoped they would be last year. Um, you know, going into the year, a concern for me, I didn't think they'd play the way they did the first six weeks that, that I did not foresee that. So I'm not going to pretend I did, mm-hmm. but I thought they'd have a tougher time because when you look to the quarterbacks, they faced, usually those defensive rankings correspond with what level of quarterbacks did you face this year? Look at the Philadelphia Eagles and how they finished down the stretch. Their defense was really good. We'll go look at the quarterbacks they faced. They weren't that great. Not, not in the second half of the year. It makes a difference. Like these guys, the previous year, the quarterbacks they faced were not very good, you know? Um, so there, let's start there. Like they're not facing that same level next year. That will help them. So I think they'll get back their part of that. So that's one thing. But so then from there, then it's like, how does Chase Young come back? You know, um, is he more like the guy he was as a rookie where he was a lot more of a violent pass rusher? Or is he going to be the guy who was trying to do a different thing last year and a lot of stutter steps and all that? How's he going to be there? If he comes back and produces, then yes, there'll be a top 10 defense easy, you know, but, but he, and like, I think the line's got to be in sync. I think from the coach's standpoint, one thing I didn't like early on is they relied way too much on a four man rush. So you had sweat and young, they had like, okay, we got these young ends. They're going to be awesome. Just got these four guys, let them go. What wasn't working? They weren't, they weren't working together, but I also don't think they were creating the pressure they thought they would. And I don't think you were freeing, you need to help those guys a little bit more. And so like when they had, when they didn't have sweat and young, I felt like their pressure was probably better because you had, they were doing more blitzing and doing different packages on third down than they had before. So I would, you know, for me, I would like to see that continue. And then I think the other key here is who replaces Landon Collins. That role is a huge one for them. That Buffalo nickel hybrid role is huge for them. Who replaces him? Do you, do you get it? That's where a Kyle Hamilton would come in big time. If there's some other guys that could as well. Um, some other guys in the second round or whatever, um, Brisker, the kid from Penn state. I like him. Yeah. He's another name to watch in that role. Um, you know, but, if, but that's a big role for them. So you've got to find that guy. Um, 
if you do, then yes, I think that can be a very good defense. And yes, you mentioned how, yeah, we're not giving up the defense at all. But you did mention how you know they were only doing four man rushes in 2020. You would see Washington do a lot of five man rushes. You know, sending the dogs at them, using those using their D line depth to do the five and six man rushes, use the blitzes, and you didn't see a lot of those five-man rushes in the beginning of the 2021 season until, you know, Chase Young went down, then Montez Sweat went down. You saw a lot more blisses, like you mentioned. So I feel like if they can get back to, you know, using their five-man rushes, you know, blitzing more, playing good coverage, because, you know, the way we blitz, it caused a lot of interceptions in 2020. Kendall Fuller had four interceptions, I believe, in the first five or six games in 2020 because the way Washington was bringing pressure. We had two picks, on for, unfortunately, on Carson Wentz in 2020 at the beginning of the season. So you look at that, you want to, you want Washington to get back to that great defense day that we pictured in 2021, in 2020. Yeah, and, I, and I think there was, because they would still use a lot of like, they, they like that 51 front, that five man, and especially against teams that ran the ball a lot, they like yeah. to use it. And there were definitely times where they put these guys in position to win one-on-one and they didn't. Yeah. And that that's on sweat and that's on young because they're the guys that got to carry that. They're the guys that have the big playmaking potential. And I think sometimes with chase, he was, he wanted to, he worked a lot on bending the corner, bending the corner in the offseason, strengthen the ankles, get that down because he wanted to do that more. Well, I think it, that's not necessarily his strength. His strength is getting at a guy, picking a side, attacking with your hands and running through them and getting inside them or whatever. Yeah. And that's, like that's where he needs to be. And I think if he, and, and it's, listen, it's not a talent thing. It was a choice thing for him. Yeah. He can choose to go back to that and rush that way. Cause that's where he was effective as a rookie. So I think there's, that's another way. So they've got to produce when they get the one-on-ones, especially him, because that's what he's here to do. You're the number two pick in the draft. You got to win those battles. Exactly. And on moving on to the next question, you had mentioned Landon Collins, but do you think Washington has any more free agency deals to happen this offseason? And do you think it's a possibility of a Landon Collins return for a cheaper yeah, price? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. If, if they don't fill that position and he's still out there, then yes, it is a possibility. But he's got to want to come back at a reduced rate. So I don't know if that would be – I know from their end, they'll have interest. From his end, I don't know. Um so, you know, but as far as other free agents, well, keep in mind, like last year in May, that's when they got Eric Flowers and Charles Leno. So, you're, you know, that's why, like, when people, people freak out on the first day of free agency, they haven't signed anybody. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it's the first day of, it's the first day of the offseason. The official start of the offseason. So, the offseason encompasses many months. So, they added, they added three-fifths of their starting offensive line from the draft through the end of May last year. So you, so yes, I do think that somebody would be signed because again, like if they, let's say they get through the draft, they don't get a safety and Landon Collins doesn't want to come back. Well, now you got to sign somebody because you got to find that guy who can fill that role. If you don't find a linebacker in the draft, um, you know, you're going to, you, you need more, you need linebacker depth. And if you don't have that, you've got to find that after the draft with free agents. So, so yeah, but we're not talking big signings. We're just talking like get guys now. Cause it, what you'll see is teams will, let's say the team has gets through draft has a surplus of position, whatever, and they're going to cut guys. 
are you interested in them? You know, so yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think they'll still add guys at that point. It just depends on you know what other what holes still remain. Exactly, and you look at um Landon Collins. You don't get his money from the cut until I believe late June or June early 1st. July. June first, June first. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, but June first, you don't get that money until then. And then you look at you know other players that we let go that still haven't signed the other teams like. Um, you look at DeAndre Carter, he had a visit with, I believe, the Bears, I want to say. Yeah. He had a visit with the Bears, and that still hasn't led to a deal yet. You could potentially see him coming back. Landon Collins, I haven't heard any rumors about him potentially having visits or signing with anybody. So you could potentially see seeing him coming back for a cheaper price. But, you know, Landon is very prideful, so he will not want to take, you know, he mentioned that when he first got cut. It was the first pay cut. He took the first pay cut, but he didn't want to take the next pay cut. So potentially having him come back will be good to fill that Buffalo nickel role. But for him taking another pay cut, I don't know if he's going to do that, though. That's the only reason I feel like Landon Collins is going to come back. But to have him back would be very good. Yeah. No, he was he's a good player. So, yeah, Yeah. they, they would be happy to have him back. Yeah, definitely. And on moving on to my last and final question, we're going to have a little fun with this question. Um. What is your way too early prediction of Washington record for the next season? Way too early. Well, I would just right now, I just the top of my head, 10 and seven, 10 to seven. Yes. You know, and I could see them getting to the 11 win range. I do think that they're going to be better defensive or I think they'll play better defensive than they did last year. They hit a stretch last year for like six games where I thought they played really well. It was Denver green Bay and then the four game win streak. And then the wheels fell off after there were, way too many injuries, COVID, et cetera. So I do think they'll get, I, I think, I think they'll go 10 and seven. I do believe that too. Also. And I look at their schedule is much weaker than what they had last season coming off, you know, being the division winner, you're facing a lot of number ones this year, you know, we last season we came in third place. So this year you're not facing that many, you know, number one teams, that many good teams. So you look at the schedule now, and it's not formatted yet, but of course you have the two teams you played twice, Dallas, Giants, Eagles. Then you got Green Bay again. You got the Vikings. You got the Jaguars. You got the Titans. You got the Browns, and you got the Falcons. And then you have the Bears, Detroit, the Colts, San Francisco, and the Texans. And you look at that schedule, you can see why I can definitely see if Washington comes out and starts off fast and has a great start, you could definitely see them get into that 10 and 11 win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't, that if they won 11 games, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. It just wouldn't. I mean, last year they were six and six, like if it doesn't, if the wheels don't fall off, they probably get to nine wins, They're yeah. either eight or nine wins. You get to nine wins with that group and then you add, you add a better quarterback. Well, it's not a big stretch. And, and, you know, Carson Wentz in the NFC looks a lot different than Carson Wentz in the AFC right now, given the mm-hmm. quarterbacks in each in each conference. So, yeah, I, I can see I I'll go 10 and seven right now. And by training camp, it could be 11, depending on what happened in the draft. Yeah. Well, I do want to thank you, Mr. Khan, for coming out and giving me your time. I really enjoy the questions. I really enjoyed the answers that you gave me. And I appreciate you for coming out. Oh, thanks for having me on. Always happy to help. OK, thank you. And that will wrap up the episode for me here. Tune in next week for another episode with me discussing free agency, pickups, signings, and the QB casserole. Have a blessed one. Thank you for listening.